Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, as you guys can tell, I am not Dr. Sammy. He is actually taking a well-needed vacation uh, this week and next week to Korea. And uh, I'm sure he's watching us right now, so we say hello to him. And uh, Paul is actually not here because last week he and Grace welcomed baby Prisca into the world. So let's give them a round of applause. I'm not sure if they're watching because they may be very, very tired right now, as all new parents are. Um, but. That means that you guys are stuck with me for this week and next week. But just because it's me doesn't mean we change the way that we do things. So let's start out taking a moment to engage the rule of life. Let's take a moment and in that just exhale all the anxiety, all the ruminating thoughts, all the tension, all the worries, all the fears. Lay them at God's feet and inhale God's presence. The presence of the one who knows us, who has known us since before the founding of the world, who knitted us in our mother's womb, who knows us better than we know ourselves and loves us thoroughly. Today's Jesus Calling from July 30th. Worship me in the beauty of holiness. I created beauty to declare the existence of my holy being. A magnificent rose, a hauntingly glorious sunset, oceanic splendor, all these things were meant to proclaim my presence in the world. Most people rush past these things without giving them a second thought. Some people use beauty, especially feminine loveliness, to sell their products. How precious are my children who are awed by nature's beauty. This opens them up to my holy presence. Even before you knew me personally, you responded to my creation with wonder. This is a gift, and it carries responsibility with it. Declare my glorious being to the world. The whole earth is full of my radiant beauty, my glory. So. In a moment, we're going to put a couple of pictures on the screen. Anybody who's been in a movie theater over the last 15 years should at least recognize one of them. I'm hoping that I'm not the only person that recognizes the other person. But let's put these two fictional characters up. On one side, we have Marvel's sometimes hero, sometimes menace, the Incredible Hulk. And on the other side, we have, from Star Trek, Mr. Spock, the calm, cool, collected counterpoint to the wild Captain Kirk. On the surface, these two could not be more different. Mr. Spock, like I said, cool, calm, collected, logical, intelligent. The Hulk, he just smash. But in those differences, there's still one way that they are very extremely similar and still polar opposites. Again, Mr. Spock, he is cool, calm, collected. As a Vulcan, 
he controls all of his emotions. Everything is controlled and calm. The Hulk, again, Hulk smash. It's all emotions. When we look at these two, we see the complete polar opposites, the extremes of how we can engage with our emotions at times. I'm sure most of us know someone that whenever you ask them, hey, how you doing? And you know they're going through something, they pull a Mr. Spock and they say, I'm fine. And every now and again, we know someone, or maybe we've been that someone that just does not know how to control those emotions in the moment, and they just hulk out. Those are the two extremes that we can fall into when it comes to our emotions. And as we've been going through Neil Anderson's book, he talks a little bit about how our emotions can sort of be a barometer to when something is wrong with us. He specifically says it earlier, and we've talked about this, when it comes to our goals. Anger indicates a blocked goal. Anxiety indicates an uncertain goal. And depression indicates an impossible goal. And we really don't just experience these emotions when it comes to goals. We regularly experience these emotions when it comes to other things, and we experience the range of them. Sometimes it's just we're lightly annoyed by something, and sometimes we are in a full-on rage. Sometimes we're just a little bit melancholy, we're not having the best of days, so we're a little bit glum, and other times we are in full depression. Sometimes, these are our soul's way of letting us know that something is off, whether good or bad. It's like that check engine light on our car's dashboard that most of the time we ignore because, eh, it'll be fine. It's letting us know, hey, something is going on here. And sometimes we experience our emotions for very legitimate reasons. It is very legitimate if you see something unjust that you will get angry over it. Completely legitimate and normal. It is normal to be sad when we experience a loss. It is completely legitimate and normal to experience these emotions. Sometimes we experience emotions based off of clouded thinking or not having all the facts for something. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, hey, we got to talk about something? First thing you're doing, it's like, oh, crap. What did I do? What did he do? What's going on here? Oh, boy, this is going to be. And meanwhile, the person just wanted to say, hey, you know that place that, that you mentioned about the kebabs? You know, that place was phenomenal. What, what else you got? Well, recommend me another place. I go back to Neil Anderson. Again, emotions are normal. And this is what he says. If we can put this, past, this up. This is what he says when it comes to emotions. Emotions are, to our souls, what physical feelings are to our bodies. If we didn't feel anger, sadness, remorse, conviction, joy, etc., our souls would be in trouble. By themselves, feelings and emotions are immoral a vital part of our humanity. Just as we respond to the warnings of physical pain, so we need to respond to our emotional indicators. Our emotions are completely normal things. They let us know that something is going on internally, and they're not inherently good or bad. It is not inherently good or bad to be angry, or to be sad, or to be anxious. That's why I put the definition for immoral up there, because I had to make sure that I was reading it right as well. It means being neither moral nor immoral, specifically lying outside the sphere to which moral judgments apply.
So our emotions are a warning that we need to deal with something. Not inherently good, not inherently bad, but something real. And again, there's a lot of ways that we can deal with them, and Anderson talks about them in his book. We can go full Mr. Spock, and we can suppress them. We can ignore all the warning signs. We can be that person that says, I'm fine, or as I have a ha habit of doing, when somebody asks me how I'm doing and I'm not doing well, I just say, I'm peachy. Or we can go full Hulk, and we can go with indiscriminate expression. That's when you just want to flip a table and you want to just act out and you don't actually deal with whatever is directly causing those emotions. Neither of these is healthy. But Anderson talks about acknowledgement, accepting the emotions that we have, expressing them, dealing with them in a healthy, rational manner and processing them. And even though it is the healthiest way of dealing with it, it is far from the easiest way. Now, when we look in the Bible, Jesus says that he came to give us life and life to the full. And whether we like it or not, our emotions are a part of living a full life, believe it or not. They are a reality to life. And the beauty of the gospel is that God is our ever-present companion when we are dealing with these emotions. He is our companion when we feel them, when we go to process them. He is there for us to express them to and to lay them at his feet. And we see in scripture that it's actually encouraged and accepted to express those emotions to God. Even some of the emotions that you might think are not acceptable. See, when we finally do express those emotions in the right way, when we process them, not only can we express them, not only can we live a full healthy emotional life, but we can actually find peace in the situations that are causing our emotions to go off the scale. We can even find forgiveness, whether it's for ourselves or for others, in those moments. And we're going to talk about that probably next week. But today, all I want to do is I just really want to focus on the reality that emotions are a part of our identity. We are emotional beings. That is how God created us. That is not a bad thing. And even as Christians, like I said, it's okay to feel these emotions, not be controlled by them, but to feel them, to say these are the realities of the emotions that I have. Now, again, as Christians, maybe we've gotten the message that certain emotions you can't go into, you can't deal with. You're supposed to be, supposed to be, someone like, throw another fictional character up there, Ned Flanders who even though he might be boiling up inside, he's just like, no, it's Oakley Doakley, Homer, you broke my pool table. It's, I'm not mad at you at all, neighborino. That's not how we're supposed to live life. And maybe there are cultural factors that tell us we're not supposed to deal with our emotions, that we have to handle them in a particular way. I'll use myself as an example. You guys know, Irish, Scottish, English, American person that I am. Sometimes the only way you're supposed to deal with your situations is, all right, maybe you tilt a few back, maybe you have a good rough night outside, maybe you get involved in a little Donnybrook, um, that's Irish for a little scuffle, and then the next day you're done with it and you just move on because that's what you got to do. You got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you got to keep calm and carry on, you don't deal with it anymore because it's over and done with. Again, not healthy at all. So today is about breaking that stigma 
and saying that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to engage in your emotions in a biblical way so that we can bring our emotions to God for healing, to be full, to be whole, so that we're not living as an, in an identity as suffering Stepford Christians where we say everything is fine, but instead we can be emotionally healthy and an emotionally whole son or daughter of Christ who doesn't leave unaddressed emotions to build up and rot us from the inside out. Even when it means being angry, even when it means being sad, even when it means being anxious, it means bringing these things before God. And this is exactly why I selected this psalm today for our scripture, because how many of you guys, when you started reading this, you were like, wow, this is not what I was expecting when I walked into church today. I warned Haley about it before she read scripture. She was like, oh, okay. And then she came back and was like, yo, you weren't kidding about that. So let's talk about this. Let's put this, um, this psalm up on there. And let's do some background on this. This psalm is written by David, the king of Israel, and it's obvious that he's going through a very emotional time in his life when he wrote this. And he's gone through a number of emotional periods in his life. And the unfortunate fact is we don't know exactly when he wrote this psalm. We don't know the exact context, but a lot of people think it could be when he was being chased down by the previous king of Israel, King Saul who was setting all of Israel out to kill him. It could be when his son Absalom usurped the throne from him and again was chasing him down and trying to kill him. Kind of understandable that you would be a little bit angry in those situations. But those aren't the only emotions that David had. He also had times of great sorrow. When you read Psalm 51, that's after he's called out for committing adultery. That is a psalm of complete and pure sorrow for having sinned against God. And he lays all that emotion out there for God. You also see in other parts of the Bible where David is bringing the Ark of God's Covenant back into Israel and he is full of joy. He is dancing wildly in the street to the point where even his own wife is saying, you look like a nitwit, would you stop? And he says, I am not going to. I am full of joy and I will dance before the Lord. David was a person that engaged in his emotions and he did not hesitate to do so before God. And this is actually biblical normalcy, believe it or not. It's normal for people to have engaged in their emotions and laid them before God like this. David wasn't the only psalmist to bring his emotional pleas before God. We have a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. It is four or five chapters of an author just lamenting the fact that Israel is in ruins, that everyone has been exiled from Israel, and they are living as foreigners in a foreign land, as slaves, as servants, as the bottom rung of the ladder. We have the book of Job. That is completely about a man who is at his emotional end, and he's not getting any help from his friends, too, and he is laying it all out there for God to listen to. Even when we look in the New Testament, we have um, Mary and Martha who lost their brother Lazarus, and we have Jesus who came there. Even though he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he still stood there and wept in sorrow with them. 
and when you look closer to Jesus' crucifixion, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He is scared out of his wits. Kind of weird to think about that. Even Jesus being scared out of his wits, right? Being worried about what was going to happen next. But it was normal to bring these emotions of fear, of sorrow, of anxiety before God. That is the biblical reality of it. But we don't live in biblical times. We live in the modern age. We live in New York City. We live in the world where it's not okay to be emotional, where the world tells you you got to have it put together all the time. you got to be on your game 24-7. Even here in New York City, where there's still a stigma about saying, hey, I need to go see a counselor because I'm not doing so well. There's a stigma against that. I, personally, I want to say it right now. I've been to counselors before, too. Sometimes you need somebody that you can talk to to help you process the stuff that's going on up here that sort of makes sense to you but doesn't really make sense, and you need someone to help you process that out. This is the stigma that we're in in the world today where it's not okay to engage in your emotions. And it goes even further than that because as Christians, this is what Paul says in Ephesians 4. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. See, when we repress those emotions that we naturally have as human beings, when we don't let them out, we're not living a full life. We are living at best half a life, a quarter of a life. We're living a partial life with all of these emotions welling up inside of us, going crazy, tearing us up from the inside. And the enemy loves when we're being torn up inside. He loves using that edge, that foothold to really mess with our lives. It leaves us vulnerable where we can easily be separated from our friends, from our family, and even from God. And Anderson does say, unless you allow yourself to feel these emotions, the good and the bad, you will not feel the fullness of it. If you can't experience sadness, he gives an example, put it on a scale of one to 10. If you only let yourself feel a two or a three in sadness, you're never gonna feel more than a two or three in joy. If you are able to experience and process those emotions, even the hardest, saddest emotions, it is not, but necessary, definitely. When you can feel that seven, eight, nine, ten of sadness, you're also able to feel that seven, eight, nine, ten of joy as well. And you will actually be able to live a full, emotionally healthy life. Um, speaking of emotion, I'm going to give you guys a warning because this is the part where I may turn emotional. Um, but we'll see how this goes. Years ago, um, we were having a men's group meeting and we got on the topic of loss and how Christ could be there for us in our loss. And I honestly got in a bit of an emotional tear where I just kind of emotionally vomited on everybody um, because I had gone through a lot of loss in life. Uh, most of you guys know I lost my dad when I was 13 years old, but that's just one of a lot of people that I lost over the course of my life. It is the downside of having a very large Irish family. You unfortunately end up going to a lot of funerals. And by the time I kind of finished going over this person and this person and this person and this person, everybody in that group was kind of just staring at me like, yo, 
how the hell are you still going? Like, have you processed any of that? And my honest response was, no. You just got to pick yourself up and keep going on. Like, sun's going to come up tomorrow and you got to get going, right? And I really was not processing any of those losses. All of those emotions were just kind of shut down to the point where I was just a big stone. And again, if you're not willing to feel the sadness, how are you ever going to experience the joy? So it took a lot of work between that group and God speaking to me on it where I could actually start to process those emotions, where I could actually start to engage with them. And it took a lot, but it eventually did work. And it's funny because it turned out to be a very timely lesson. Uh, not too long after that, I lost a very dear friend and a former, former co-worker, a gentleman by the name of Wayne. Um, he was my first sergeant when I first got on the job, when I first got to my first courthouse. Um, he actually had a side gig as a doo-wop singer. You can find him on YouTube singing with the Capris. And um, he was one of those rare souls that just everybody loved. And he was the most unintentionally hilarious guy that you could ever meet. There are a million Wayne stories. One of my favorite, he goes out to buy bagels one day and he's like, all right, let me get uh, five of the poppy bagels. Let me get six of the sesame bagels. Let me get a salt bagel for Vito. What is a Noino bagel? And he's pointing at it and, he's, and the guy is looking at him like, a what bagel? And he's like, yeah, the, the sign, it says Noino. I've never heard of a Noino bagel before. Guy reaches in, takes the sign, puts it right side up. It's an onion bagel. And he thought it was a good idea to tell all of us this story to the point where I don't even know how long ago this happened. I'm still telling this story. I miss him so much. But anyway, he passed away. Uh, yep, there, there are those motions. It's okay. He passed away suddenly and tragically. And it was the first time that I could actually process that loss allow myself to feel that sadness, to just sit there and weep for hours over it. But again, it was the first time I was actually able to process it in a healthy manner so that I could be sad, that I could be just devastated at losing him, as so many of us were. If you knew him, you'd know what I was talking about. But It was still necessary so that I could be sad, but still celebrate his life and still be able to talk about him and remember him. And the funny thing is, learning how to process that sadness, it's helped me be able to be there for other people in their sadness. And that, I would say, is much more living life to the full than I was able to before. So before I break down too much here, this is my first point. When we're talking about our identity as emotional beings, this is what I want us to learn here. Being emotional and responsibly expressing it is both normal and biblical. If David could be emotionally honest, as he was in the Psalms, with his anger and his sorrow, if Jesus could be emotionally honest in the Garden of Gethsemane, why can't we? Why can't we enjoy that freedom to actually feel sad or angry or worried or happy 
bringing that before God and living life to the full, even though it may not feel like it in the moment of engaging those emotions, that is part of living life to the full because we cannot deny those emotions. We can try to hide them. We can try to repress them. We can try to, you know, do all those things. That does not negate that they're still there. And the beauty of the gospel is that God is there to listen to us. Even when we are putting it on full blast, he's never surprised when we go full bore like David did here. God's not surprised by that. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He's just waiting for us to be honest with him about it so that he can speak to us in our deepest moments. So my question to you guys today, are you burying your emotions? Are you being just a good little step for Christian that everything is just fine? Are you being a Ned Flanders? Or are you actually emotionally honest and full before God? Are you bringing those things to his feet? He's not surprised by them. He's waiting for us to be honest with him about these things so that he can be in our lives in those deepest, darkest moments. And by the same token, in those greatest joys in our lives. So, that's my first point. Being emotional, responsibly expressing it, it's normal and biblical. And I encourage you guys to begin to bring your emotions before God. But there's more to it than just that. Because turning to God in our emotional state, that's what I want to talk about next. Let's go down to our next passage here. Because accepting that we're emotional beings and just letting it all out, just letting it out there, like I said, that emotional vomit, that's not quite healthy either. We can't do either extreme. We can't be a Spock. We can't be a stuff for Christian and say everything's fine. And we also can't just hulk out and let things fly. We're not called to be consumed by our emotions. We're called to be honest with them, to lay them before God. That's what I mean by responsibly expressing our emotions. It's not just venting. And this is what David is doing here. He's not just venting his anger, but he's going to God for help, for a resolution to his situation. And so if we read here, this is verse 26. Help me, Lord my God. Save me according to your unfailing love. Let them know that it is your hand that you, Lord, have done it. While they curse, may you bless. May those who attack me be put to shame, but may your servant rejoice. May my accusers be clothed with disgrace and wrapped in a shame as a cloak. With my mouth, I will greatly extol the Lord. In the great throng of worshipers, I will praise him. For he stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. You see, this is a big change in tone from where David was at the beginning of the psalm, right? At the beginning of the psalm, he is angry. He is full of rage and he is letting it all fly. But at this point, there is a change in his tone. He's gotten that anger off of his chest. And now he's not demanding that God solve the problem on his terms. David is saying, look, this is how I feel. This is my emotion. I bring it before you, God, and I trust that you will be the one to bring the resolution to this situation, and I will praise you for it, whatever it may be. 
No matter how awful the situation, no matter how violent these people are against me, God, I know you are far and above superior over all of them, and I trust you to bring the solution. See, the resolution for David's anger wasn't to find his way of solving the problem. But as we said in verse 26 and 27, he's looking to the Lord for his help. He acknowledges him in the last verse. For he, the Lord, stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. And he is content to let God solve the problem, find the resolution, to work it, whatever it may be. And David says, I will simply stand here and worship you for it. And again, David's not the only person who did this. In Lazarus's death, when we look at Martha and Mary, they weren't saying, Jesus, bring our brother back right now. That was well outside of whatever solution they thought was possible. Instead, they were, still, they were just content to say, Jesus, we believe you're the Messiah. And when the resurrection comes, everything will be fine. We trust in you that it will happen in your time. And Jesus pulls out a heck of a better resolution than they could have ever imagined. Even when Jesus was praying in fear that God wouldn't send him to the cross, do you know what he says right after he says, take this cup from me? He says, your will, Father, not mine, be done. He accepts, this is the reality of my situation, but I will trust in your resolution to it. And again, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are plenty of believers who turn to God in their emotional times, who lay out their emotions fully, honestly, whether it's anger, whether it's sorrow, whatever it is. And they say, Lord, we trust you with the answer to this problem. We trust you with the solution to this, with the resolution to this. Because they knew that God was faithful to be there, to be their help, to be their rescue in whatever situations that they could not control. For all of us, there are going to be times when our emotions flare up, where we bring them to God and we know that we do not have any control over the situation. Again, go back to what Anderson said about us and our goals. Maybe it's our goals that are causing our emotions to flare up, and we know that certain things we have no control over. We have absolutely no control over. When it's a blocked, uncertain, or impossible goal, it is out of our hands. But the one thing that we can control is what we do, is what we choose to do and what we choose to believe and how we choose to walk in faith in that moment. That's the limited control that we have, and the safest thing that we can do with that limited bit of control is to lay it before God's feet and say, God, I trust that you will work things out. In whatever way you know best, I am trusting that you will do this. At the end of the day, it's about seeking God's truth and God's righteousness, trusting that he will navigate us through. So this is my second point as we're talking about our identity as emotional beings. In our emotional honesty, we can turn to God for resolution. Now, I'm not saying that Christ is the only person that we can be emotional with. Every single person should have someone that they can be emotionally honest with. Anderson says, mentally healthy people have at least one person with whom they can be emotionally honest. If you have two or three friends like that, you are truly blessed. And I consider myself very blessed that they, there are 
a few people that I can be truly emotionally honest with. And like I said at the beginning, there are going to be times where we're emotional because of legitimate issues. There's going to be times where our view on things are clouded, where we can't process it clearly. And we need that someone to kind of talk us off the ledge, so to speak, to maybe give us some clarity that we don't have. But at the end of the day, Christ is the one who is our strength. He is the one who will find the resolution for us. And I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, sometimes it's not a pleasant resolution. It's not what we might classify as a best case scenario. But God does know how to give us life and life to the full. And when we surrender those emotions, when we take those emotions, we lay them at God's feet and say, God, this is how I feel. I'm being honest about how I feel. But I am honestly trusting you to lead me in this so that I don't shut down, so that I don't flip a table, but so that I can live life to the full in you. So my last question for today is, who are those that we turn to when we need to be emotionally honest? Who are the people that we can go to and kind of break down with? And in those moments where we need a resolution, are we turning to God? Are we trying to take it upon ourselves? Because sometimes that will turn out even worse. I mean, we all know people who, when they get a little emotional, let's say you're just getting a little hangry. We've all known plenty of people who've gotten hangry at a diner, and it has not turned out well, right? Sometimes we need to just give up that control and say, God, in my emotion, I am letting it before you. Somebody's laughing because we, we were probably both thinking the same person who got a little bit hangry, maybe at Hometown Buffet. But anyway, God is there in our deepest emotions. He wants to hear from us. He knows that we're feeling them already. So why not just be honest about it, about our condition, about our emotions, about where we're at, lay it before him, and let him speak to us in that and lead us to life in the full. So would you guys stand with me today? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have created us as emotional beings, and not only that, but you have given us that outlet. You have given us your presence that we can come before you in all of our emotions, in the great range of them, and lay them at your feet so that we can live life to the full, not a half-life, not a life where internally we're being ripped to shreds because we can't admit the truth of our situation, but that you are there to listen to us, to comfort us, to be our strength, that you stand at the right hand of those who are in need, and that you bring true resolution. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So whether you relate more to Spock and you're suppressing your emotions, while they're bubbling underneath, or you relate more to the Hulk and you feel overrun by them, we want to invite you to come before the Lord and have that emotional honesty and bring all your feelings to Him, to a God who understands, to a God who knows us through and through, and trust Him so. Lord, we come before you with all our burdens, all our sadness, anxiety, fears, whatever we might be feeling, whatever we might be going through, Father. 
Let's sing this together. Come out of sadness. And come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can heal. So lay down your burdens. So lay down your burdens. Lay down your shame. And all who So as we end today, instead of our benediction, let's come before God and let's pray as Jesus taught us. If we can put the words up. So we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So go in peace, love, and serve the Lord. Thank you, everyone, for coming today. And remember, God is there for us to bring those emotions to. Let's live life to the full.